Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Thursday night. Uh, we were going to do a show on Tuesday. Again, something came up, um, and so we were not able to do the Tuesday show. I promise you, we are going to end up having two shows a week soon. It's it's definitely in the works, I promise you guys. Uh, but we got a great show for you tonight. And really, you know, this should have been the only show for the week. It's a, it's a, it's a great show. I'm very excited to have it. Um, anyways, we're also working on some internet issues, um, and uh, I got that fixed today, so our internet's running much faster. I'm not dropping any frames anymore, and I believe going forward, hopefully by next week, I will have it set up so that we can stream to Twitter, Rumble, Odyssey, Facebook, and YouTube. Right, we, need to, we need to test the frame dropping thing. Israel, 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 Israel. Oh, yeah, as soon as okay, we start okay, saying okay, Israel, we're going to start dropping frames every time, man. Yeah, no shit. Huh? Zionism. Zionism. Nope, no frames dropped. We're doing okay here tonight. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But uh, yeah, it's, it does seem like every time we do, every time we have a show where Israel comes up at all, we start dropping frames. I don't know why. I'm, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, but uh, guys, before I'm we get too, saying it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> before we get too far into this stuff, go check out toplobster.com. The man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle. We can get all kinds of great backpacks, hats, hoodies, uh, leggings. You can get your own custom Break the Cycle couch pillow for your couch streams at home. Uh, you can use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount, or you can join the Patreon, subscribe, star, become a member of the YouTube channel under all of our links by hitting the join button, where you can get into a private Discord server and get some of Top's new gear two weeks before it goes to the general public at a 30% discount. Great stuff. You're helping out all kinds of different independent artists, and it's, it's a good Creators. spot. Yeah, it's a good spot. Ryan, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. It's oh, been, it's been a pretty eventful week. But how's the baby? He's doing doing really well. Yeah. yeah, we're still proud growing. of you on he's the show. Crying, he wouldn't. He, he's at a phase right now where he does not like to be set down, except for on it. We can distract him for a little bit on his sure. little play mat. He he likes that thing, but that his bassinet is an absolute no go right now. Oh yeah, that's uh, Rocco was like that for a long time. Now he'll only sleep in the in the, I don't know the plug and play or pack and play or whatever they mm-hmm. call it. But the baby will not. Um, but we need to get you. We're gonna bully you into making more children. Now you have to continue you to procreate. To One isn't me. enough. One isn't enough. You gotta. We've go. already started this train. Okay, good. Like, I'm proud of you. I'm like proud of you. I, I grew up with siblings, and we were all about eighteen months apart. Uh, I I know how awesome it is to have kids yes. like siblings that are close to you got to give your kids best friends but more importantly yeah. you have to populate the, the world with based children mm-hmm. that can think for themselves and don't have to rely on a central government because when we do that we start to chip away at the system yeah. right anyways guys we got a great show for you tonight thank you base Drew, for the one dollar uh, 99 super chat he says i'm just here to give you more money we appreciate it the more money you give us the more shows we can do that's how it works uh we got a great show for you guys and i'm very excited uh this man is the host of the Orrin McIntyre show on the blaze. He is Mr. Orrin McIntyre, sir. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I think it was, a uh, uh, somebody else on Twitter actually tagged him. It's like, you should have him on. And I was like, hell yeah, I would have him on, man. That would be great. I'd be stoked to do that. Um, but before we get into like all the topics that we have picked out tonight, cause we do have some cool topics picked out. Um, and of course there's a lot going on in the world. We got, uh, you know, this interview with Tucker and, uh, Putin that I, I actually got to watch about half of before the show. I tried to finish it all, but I was trying to feed five kids and uh, and get the internet taken care of. The internet guys were here literally till 10 minutes before we started the show. Um, and then uh, we also have uh, Gina Carano's uh, 
uh, lawsuit to, against Disney. Yeah, Will and Wheaton Lucasfilm. having an emotional breakdown about Will Elmo. Wheaton having an emotional breakdown about uh, Elmo being assaulted because that's hilarious. That shows how weak and effeminate some of these uh, these grown men are today. Uh, and what else? What else were we going to talk about? One other thing. I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. Uh, but before we get too far oh, into that, oh, Biden. Oh yeah, Biden being team not competent yeah. to stand trial. Competent enough to run the country, not competent enough to run tri- uh, stand trial. Before we get into that, Orin, why don't you tell us uh, how you got to these 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 views that you espouse on your show, uh, and and this kind of like based cultural attitude that you have these days, my friend? How did you get here? Uh, yeah, man, it was it was definitely a weird uh, journey. I started out as a basic, I guess, uh, talk radio conservative, you know, neocon adjacent type you know, kid just listening to that kind of stuff growing up. And uh, I ended up working a little bit in Republican politics. I ended up uh, teaching some and I became a political reporter uh, for a little while, just, you know, in my local papers, nothing, nothing huge. Uh, but while that was going on, I started noticing, uh, you know, th- things don't really work the way I'd learned about them. I started kind of seeing behind the scenes a little bit. And uh, th- then when 2020 hit and just everything went nuts, I was like, OK, uh, something very strange is going on. Nothing I learned about politics actually works. Uh, Constitution doesn't function the way that I was told it was. Uh, what's going on? And so I started looking into a lot of guys uh, who had kind of different thoughts, uh, political uh, theorists and philosophers that I'd never heard of, even though I went to school for political theory. Uh, and Talking uh, how you but, don't hear about those guys. In yeah. Political theory, right? Yeah. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Uh, and, and so just kind of fell down, uh, you know, s- some YouTube rabbit holes and then some reading rabbit holes until uh, started, started learning a lot about uh, what people call like neo-reactionary theory or Italian elite theory, political realism. Uh, and I was making YouTube videos as I was doing that because I was like, well, you know, I, I'm relatively good at explaining things to people. I'll explain what I'm learning. Uh, and that that uh, went well. And here we are. Nice. Who would you say are some of your uh, your biggest influences as far as these uh, political theorists and philosophers go these days? Well, I definitely, you know, Curtis Yarvin was kind of my gateway uh, to understanding a lot of these guys that I had never really interacted with and uh after kind of reading his stuff i read nick land and then that spreads you into a lot of different people uh hans herman hop uh and then uh, uh people like james burnham and uh uh Gatano mosca and wilfredo Pareto and right. mckells and all these people and uh yeah so uh, uh bertrand de juvenile is probably another one that i think is key mostly if for no other reason than that's the entire uh, uh hoppa lifts his entire understanding of power his entire metaphysics of power off of bertrand juvenile so I, I think it's kind of funny i feel like i feel like some people for a lot of people that that was backwards like a lot of people find hoppa first and then curtis yarvin that's how i feel about it i don't know i i have you don't know, know who either of those I, I, people are i've heard of curtis <laughs> yarvin and then from from that list hoppa that's that yeah. that's the you, whole have you read hoppa yet have we yeah got... I, I read the democracy that the god that failed yeah the god that failed yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a great book. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad that you've done some. I, I really got into Hoppe probably like two years ago. Prior to that, I, I was just a strictly a Rothbard guy. Um, and then I got to really figure out that Hoppe kind of expanded on all those ideas uh, to a degree that I didn't expect. And um, it was great. It was really good. I, it Absolutely. Like I, I always tell people that Rothbard was like opening a window and climbing through it and then it shutting behind you. Like you could never get back through that window. It totally changed my entire life. But Hoppe was like a whole nother window, right? <laughs> it was like a whole nother window and a whole nother house. Um, 
But anyways, that's that's uh, pretty cool for you. How did how did you get hooked up with the Blaze, man? How did how did you end up uh, working with them guys? Uh, you know, just you know, dumb luck and and some hard work. I ended up uh, doing well on Twitter. I never expected that to be the case. I started a Twitter account because you know people told me that's where you should post your YouTube stuff so people can find it. Um, and then I ended up doing doing well on on Twitter, having having larger accounts, sharing my stuff out on a regular basis, and ended up on Timcast and and uh, you know some Daily Wire spots and stuff, and then eventually uh, some Blaze shows, and eventually the head of the Blaze was like, "Hey, I like seeing you on our shows," and yeah, ended maybe, up doing what I'm doing now. Maybe that's what Timcast did with me. That was my the the other night was my third time on Timcast. You know what I mean? That's that's a lot. Um, that is, yeah, that is pretty long. I feel like I feel like Tim doesn't hate me if I've been on there three times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and 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 you know, me and Tim don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff because Tim's still got some of these neocon leanings. You know what I mean? Like when, especially when it comes to like Israel and Palestine, and uh, and maybe not so much on the Russia Ukraine thing, which is nice. And I feel like he's he's pretty good on the rest of the Middle East. It's just like you know that it's kind of like that that one neocon vice. It's like we can't let go of this one because it's the Holy Land, and we're you know what I mean and. Um, but I feel like he's kind of coming around. For me, I'm I'm almost, you know, people are like, oh, you're an isolationist. I'm like, yeah, well, if that's what you want to call me, I don't give a shit. I'm just, you know, I need, I think that uh, I'm tired of us wasting, you know, a third of the uh, the national budget on fighting wars we shouldn't be a, a part of. And that's really where I deviated from the, one of the ways that I deviated from the Republican Party, because I worked for the Republican yeah. Party from 07 to 2012. That was, that was the big one for me, where yeah. I was like, well, that and Ron currency Paul. printing. Well, it was Ron Paul that did it for me. Yeah. Because I worked on Ron Paul's campaign in 08 in California, which is tough shit, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I was 13. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, um, you know, I watched them arresting caucus delegates at caucuses, and I watched them change the national convention rules and shit to keep him out. So it was like, you know, I was kind of like, well, I'm a little further right than these people, I think. So it's it's kind of time to move on. Um so are you are do you are do you still work in politics or do you political commentating solely? I mean, do you do anything other than that at this point? No, this is my this is my full time job Hell now. Yeah, I was, dude. but love that. No, I was I was teaching high school before this. So <laughs> wow, it's, it's been quite the change. Yeah. Uh, someone someone in the uh, someone in the chat said you Catholic sons of mothers are streaming while the Putin interview is dropping. We'll talk about the Putin interview, uh, but the, it dropped. It's already you've already had enough time to watch it since it dropped. If you didn't pick it up and put it on the second it came on like i did <laughs> uh i don't I, know i only started listening because you told me we would be talking i don't know what tonight. to tell you man but i will say this that so let's talk a little bit about the culture surrounding this thing it's, it's absolutely insane okay like i've never in my life seen a journalist get raked over the coals the way that tucker's getting raked over the coals for interviewing anybody i mean in in listen in 1938 hitler was time man of the year okay that's and I'm not making this up. This is true shit. Okay? Yeah, I know. We have had people go over and interview. No one, no one goes after. Um, uh, what's the basketball player's name that's friends with Kim Jong Un? Uh, Dennis, Dennis Rodman. Rodman, right? Like nobody mm -hmm. goes after Dennis Rodman for being friends with Kim Jong Un and going over there and trying to talk peace or hanging out with the guy, right? They play well, basketball and shit together. You know? Yeah, what I mean? but that's also because like Dennis Rodman wore wedding dress to a Bulls game sure. in the in the nineties. Well, and he's also. He's also a black guy, so like you can't drag him through the coals for doing that kind of stuff, right? I mean, and he's so, been in a Jean Claude Van Damme movie, so yeah, exactly, right? And so like, but like, this isn't the first time that Putin's been interviewed either, right? But now, and all of a sudden, and and so here's the thing: for me, it's like I watched at the beginning of this war when when Putin came out, and we talked about it a lot on the show, but Putin came out and was like, 
we're not going to basically we're not going to cuck to the west and their demands for us to gayify this country like it's just not going to happen you know um he's also talked about like withdrawing from the central bank imf all this shit like just totally staying away from the culture that you know united states and britain is is breeding and trying to spread around the world i mean you know this started this started 100 years ago when the us decided we were the arbiters of democracy and had to spread demo- the ideals yeah. of democracy around the world to make the world a better place and it's grown into and we see why democracy is such a poisonous snake right because it's grown into now we have to gayify and make everybody effeminate and and it's yeah. just absolutely terrible to see but that's you know russia is not going to is not going to do that shit right mm-hmm. and so like he came out and and made this whole speech about how we're not going to bend to the will the will of the rest of the west telling us that we have to do these things and we have to become you know effeminate like you and and make everybody submit and like we're not going to do that and so like i knew right then that they were going to push this thing farther because of that period and then nobody you know cnn's coming out fox is coming out all these people are coming out saying oh well we've been trying to get an interview with with putin so on in in, out of one side of your mouth you're saying you've been trying to get an interview with putin But now you're going to rake Tucker Carlson through the coals for getting an interview with Putin. Well, because the state propaganda apparatus is just upset that they don't get to go in and, you know, take things out of context and do everything to push the narrative that he is a bad guy. Like, they're, they wanted an interview where the only outcome could be that he's horrible right. and... That there was no rational justification for any of his actions, and he's just—he's just, he's just war, a tyrant a that wants to animal. attack Ukraine, right? Yeah. And then he gives this—he starts the interview with like an hour of a history lesson on the on the region. I mean, and he's like, "I can show you all the paperwork." He you know brought I mean? the documents with. He brought him, the documents, just... dude. And it was—I felt bad for Tucker because Tucker knows that. You know, audiences in the United States are so stupid, right? For the most part, they're not going to want to listen to this, right? And he's like trying to hurry him along in this history lesson. And Putin's getting upset. He's like, I need to explain this. I need to explain why Ukraine is Ukraine today to to even start to give you an idea of why we want this region. You know what I mean? I don't know. Have you, what do you, what do you feel about this cultural uh, tirade that people are going on right now, Orrin? Uh, it's certainly pretty wild. I mean, it's very clear that it was necessary to cast this war from the beginning in a particular uh, light. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, if you're in Ukraine and you don't want this to happen, obviously this is terrible. And is Putin a good guy? I don't, probably not. Most world leaders aren't. I know he's done some bad things for sure. Some terrible things for sure. But it's also this idea that there's just, there's no, there's no other spheres of sovereignty. There's no all geopolitical issues are based on this kind of hegemonic U.S. idea of human rights. And this gives you a casa spell to kind of go in at any moment. You can expand NATO up to the doorstep of the, of the border of the, the person that was designed to fight and expect them to do nothing. And if they challenge anything, then they're a threat to democracy and they're probably trying to conquer the world. It's kind of the best trick in the world. If, if you conquer the world, just accuse everybody else of conquering the world and, and, and you don't have to be the bad guy uh because anything they do is is a challenge to your international order which you know is is a a great euphemism for world empire um and and so there's a very strange moment where america hasn't had really the idea that its kind of global dominance would be challenged that anyone would stand up to it 
that was a big question at the time when when the original war begun. It was like, is the United States really going to be able to snuff this out? And it was very clear early on the administration believed that it would be able to flex its soft power because that's all we do now, right? We've got carrier groups and they're great, but we're not going to commit them to this kind of thing right away because that's how you actually get a hot nuclear war. Right. And so you're going to flex your soft power and you're going to shut down the banking and you're going to shut down the oil sales and everything and their economy is just going to collapse. And, you know, we're, we've got Fox style governments as Wilfredo Pareto would call it. You know, we've got the, we've got these type one residues. They're the ones that want to manipulate everything. They don't really know how to fight wars. They don't really know how to execute violence. And so their plan is to basically just manipulate all of these soft systems that they've wrapped the world in. The more you can interconnect things, the more you can manipulate them. The problem is like they forgot that when you do that and you make yourself interdependent with these nations, if you try to push back on them, they can push back through economic forces as well. And even though we were supposed to remember Biden, like, you know, uh, bragging that we were going to collapse the Russian currency and the economy and everything within three months and the war would be over. And instead, uh, American oil prices spiked and our inflation went out of control and Putin started acquiring people who were willing to go off the, the, the petrol dollar in order to, to buy his energy. And, and it all just kind of backfired. And it became pretty clear that while the U.S. was more than willing to, like, fight to the last Ukrainian, they weren't actually going to, like, get involved in this thing. And oh, my so God. I, that's, a, that's the best term I've heard on here. The U.S. is willing to fight to the last Ukrainian. I like that. That's good. Okay, yeah, but going. I mean, the, so so I think it's understandable that they don't want Putin, uh, you know, justification out there because you, you there's we have this like really short idea of the nation state, and we don't understand our our own form of government, our own idea of the nation state, much less more ancient understandings of kingdoms and regional peoples and these kind of things. And this is why, you know, it's hard for a lot of people to grasp the actual tensions that are happening in Ukraine. And whether you agree with Putin's you know, uh, assertion that historically this section of Ukraine is part of his country, his reasoning is pretty close to what a lot of people throughout history understood. Now, he, is he exploiting it purely for aggression or advantage? Uh, could, could be. Absolutely could be. But they certainly don't want any of that message getting out. And so this is why they were apoplectic when Tucker showed up over there, because really, you know, we're not supposed to hear the other side of this story. There's only one story, and it's that Vladimir Putin is actually a secret fascist reincarnation of Hitler. And, and he's trying to conquer the world. That, that's the only acceptable storyline. So what's ironic is one of the last lines that I listened to in the interview was <laughs> Putin saying that their goal will be accomplished when they stomp out all of the neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Yeah. He, does, he constantly calls them neo-Nazis, which no, is I mean, funny. There are. Yeah, there, yeah. there really are. There yeah. really are neo-Nazis there. But I, so, so I, you know, I, I kind of came to this realization the other day. So like, like people online were kept talking about, oh yeah, Ukraine is kicking Russia's ass. And they're like, I knew that wasn't true. I think most of us knew that wasn't true. I think anybody that with half a brain even the people that were saying it, some of the people that were saying it were, knew they were lying to themselves. I mean, Russia is one of the biggest military strengths in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Ukraine did, never stood a chance. And then all of a sudden they put out this, this call on, on Twitter and Facebook, and it shows like very clearly that they're conscripting women, the Ukrainian women, to fight in this war. Um, and you can't say the health of a military is good when they're conscripting women to fight a war, right? Um, and then this bill to this, you know, this this sixty billion dollars, right? 
for Ukraine. It's like they're losing their shit over there because it got voted down, right? And so, so like there, so you can't tell me that you're winning a war when you have to depend on sixty billion dollars from the U.S. to even continue the war. Another really telling moment to me in that interview was, I. Putin talked about the U.S. I don't remember exactly what it was in regards to, but he said they spent five billion dollars or something. That's a ton of money, right? And I was like, I don't, I don't blink at five billion dollars anymore. Yeah, no. when it when it comes to like government it's spending, it's a drop in the bucket compared to yeah. thirty six trillion. Yeah, we spend that on Pakistani gender studies everywhere. <laughs> exactly, um, and and so like. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think I think that the historical so like when he opens up with this historical like relevance, right? Like he starts at like in the 1600s. Right? And like are, the the did people he started looking, with like the foundation of the Russian state. Maybe yeah, he's starting in the 800s. 800s. Oh, did he start in the 800s? Yeah. I, yeah. I, so, he was so, like that's kind of when the official Russian state happened. Okay. And then, yeah, they're I, still sieging Byzantium. That's, yeah. that's where he yeah. got. <laughs> okay, so he starts a long time ago, okay? But when I started really mentally paying attention cuz I was trying to get kids fed and stuff was it was like 1653 or something like that. And I'm going I'm going nobody in America is going to understand the relevance of this because A our we didn't exist in 1653. Uh B the people here have such an, a, a short attention span when it comes to history that they think, you know, this Israel-Palestine thing started October 7th of this year or of last year, right? Um, it's it's like it's it, it, like the history doesn't matter to Americans. And that's why I was like kind of bummed out that that's how it started because I'm like, nobody's going to care about that. Like nobody at all. And it means so much to Russians who are like this proud like group of people, this proud nation that still believes in like their nation. And we, you know, they have a government that still believes in their nation and wants their nation to be like the first thing they think about whether he's, whether they're good at it or not, I'm not going to speculate on that, but we have a, we have a government here in the United States that shows us every day. They hate us. They hate our history. They hate our culture. They don't want you. They want you completely replaced by whoever they want to flood the country with. I mean, it's, it's gone like so far beyond like, a conspiracy, right? Like, like I, I love it whenever somebody brings up like the, the the great replacement or the great reset or the new world order or any of these things, right? Where everybody's like, they start trying to shout you down right away. Conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. And you're like, you're like, dude, the WEF is literally using these words right now, right fucking now. They're using them right now in speeches and you're calling me a conspiracy theorist? They're telling you they're doing it. You have a government that's showing you all the different angles of what those things we talk about look like every day through policy and 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 nation building and and all this stuff that they're doing right around the world and the the, the immigration stuff and and warfare state and they're showing you that they're doing the things that you're calling us a conspiracy theorist for talking about and and all you can think to do is shout conspiracy 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 and you know, so so we have a government here that has to lie to us about a bunch of things uh, mm -hmm. to to get things passed because you know there's a there is a tight balance there. I think at some point, you know, if they do too much out in the open, there's going to be it's going to be volatile. There's going to be you know problems. And it, and I talk a lot about it on the show, like when I talk about the Civil War, or, you know, a revolution yeah. in the United States. I don't necessarily think that means that we're going to have AK-47s out there fighting the America, the U.S. military. What I think it is, is it's already started through uh, rev avenues like Bitcoin. 
and avenues like uh, 3D printing and avenues like, uh, you know, growing your own food and homesteading and like all this dumb shit that people take for granted. That's the real civil war. That's the real like, hey, I'm opting out of this fiat federal system. Right. Um, and and so like I see that as the same thing as like Russia. Russia's like, no, we're not going to take part in your nation american nation building we're, we're, we're not, not going to be a part of the pax americana yeah because we're we're a global empire uh it was with a rich it, with yeah. a very rich history the, the terminology that putin used in that interview is he call he referred to like some places in the middle east and like eastern europe as satellite states of the united states i will say this though uh so from what i understand and someone just said it in the chat too i haven't gotten to that part yet Putin was straight up calling out the CIA, oh, oh, like I've publicly gotten... calling out the CIA and and called out Tucker in the interview for wanting to join the yes. CIA at one point, which is really, really crazy to think about. Do you, do you think, uh, what do you think the CIA is going to respond for that? Oren, what do you think? I mean, it, obviously the, the color revolutions that have been kind of omnipresent, I mean, that's where we got the Ukrainian government we have now in the first place. Right. Uh, has been a big part of the uh, the kind of the global American empire. The things we're seeing now in the United States aren't unique. Russia went through this too. Stalin called this the, uh, I believe, the ethnic problem, right? That they needed to dissolve all the particularities inside the Soviet Union. They needed to collapse basically all independence and all identity so that they could make everyone reliant on the imperial state and, you know, the, the the, the United States, the, the problem that a lot of people have is they think that there's some clash between communism and capitalism or w whatever, right? That this is this is kind of the story that we've been told. But James Burnham correctly identified the phenomenon that was occurring in, in the 1930s. He pointed to the fact that all of the states, whether they be, uh, you know, uh, theoretically fascist or a liberal democracy or, or communist, had all fallen prey to the same thing, which was the managerialism that came after kind of the, 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 the two industrial revolutions and most importantly, probably the media revolution, the communications revolution that came after. And the mass democracy allowed states to mobilize uh, their entire populations in ways that simply had not existed before. And because the ability to compel people was based on popular sovereignty, you had to find a way to control and manage the population's understanding of what was going on pretty much all the time. And so you needed these vast bureaucracies and these vast organizations designed to manage the minds of the populace. In Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia, we know what those were because there's a specific guy, Goebbels, or you have a specific Politburo, and that's their explicit job. In the United States, we didn't have an official state organ, and so we kind of had one ramshackle assemble, uh, assembled through a process of, of melding together media organizations and government bureaucracies and these kind of things. But the, the, the central point is that all of these states needed to homogenize everybody. You needed rootless cosmopolitan homogenized masses in order to manage people at a wide scale. And so, you know, the, the, the things that we are seeing the United States that do are things that Russia tried to do and that things that China is going to have to do. And the reason that Vladimir Putin is talking about breaking away from the empire is that he wants sovereignty, but he's, of course, still interested in a Russian empire. If you read, uh, you know, kind of his his uh, court vizier, Alexander Dugan, he talks specifically about 
reestablishing a, a pan uh, like a Eurasianism and a clash, clash of civilizations model that allows for Russia to have its own extended sphere of global influence. So he's not trying to like reduce things down. You know, he, he's oh, simply no. trying to keep, to keep from, from being independent of the American state, but he has a interest in his, in creating his own larger total state as well. Sure. Yeah. And there's no, I don't think there's any denying that he's a, a power hungry tyrant in many, many aspects. And, and anybody, you know, all these people that are always like, Oh, you're a Russian bot or you're a Putin lover. I'm like, dude, no, I just think this whole war is dumb. And I think that supporting it from America is dumb, right? Like, and obviously I'm a blue collar working class guy, obviously have a military background, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not the most, in, you know, intelligent person in the room. We talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I know, I know what I'm talking about half the time at least. Um, but it's, it's, it's clear to me. It was just clear to me that, you know, America and NATO were provoking this and had been provoking this for a long, long time. I think, you know, I think that's somewhere deep in some basement room and, you know, that's locked away in the White House or in the Pentagon. There's a list and that list has always said China, Russia, Iran. And I think that they've always wanted to push their fingers in the in the in the chest of these three nations. Iran is starting to look like a possibility again, too. And I talked about this a lot on the show, too. I said, yeah, this is this is the most dangerous time, in my opinion, foreign policy wise in my lifetime, because. We're knocking on the door of Taiwan, telling China for the first time since Nixon that we will go to war over Taiwan. Taiwan. Well, that, that bill uh, to give aid to Ukraine and Israel also included Taiwan. Right. That's so right. So we are yeah. explicitly backing them now. Yes. And so 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 we're knocking on the door of China with Taiwan. Okay, which mm -hmm. is a fucking tripwire to war with with China. Was, China wants it. Well, of course they want it. It's, they it's, they got it's, thirty million young single men without. Right. And it's and it's so crazy to me yeah. because we're telling China, no, you can't have your rogue province back. Right. And at the same time, we're 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 telling Ukraine that they can have their rogue province back. Right. I mean, it's like the most hypocritical foreign policy bullshit I've ever seen in my life. But the, but the fact of the matter is, is that we're knocking on the door of China. We're knocking on the door of of Russia and we're definitely knocking on the door of Iran right now. And we're bombing Iraq again, Syria, Yemen, like all of these places. And it's like. We're going to spread ourselves so thin and start a world war with three like superpowers, like military powers that are huge. I mean, between what well, we're talking, we're talking like a third of the world's population in Russia and China alone or so. I mean, it's insane. It's an absolutely insane amount of people. And then Iran as well, which has the, the backing of, I mean, I don't know how many Middle Eastern countries, a lot. Right. So like. This is a scary time for policy wise. And I don't think people understand that. And we have people like Lindsey Graham uh, who I don't know if Lindsey has any kids. Um, he does not. I didn't think so. But those are the kind of people that are pushing for war, right? This this childless fucking man child baby, right? Who doesn't care about the future of our country and our nation, right? That's been sitting in, in Congress or sitting in, in the House for God, how long? How long has he been sitting in, in the Probably longer than I've been alive. It's been a long time, right? People like fucking Mitch McConnell who for all intents and purposes may be running on pure adrenochrome at this point. Okay. And, and, and Joe Biden, like these are the people that are leading us into a war that could easily turn into a world war and they don't give a shit about our kids. Right. They don't give a shit about our future as a nation. Like they don't, they hate us. They want you sick and fat and nearly dead. If not all the way dead, right? Like they hate us. And we have to sit here and watch these people foist us into all of these conflicts around the world. And now three of the biggest like powers in the world at the same time. And, and, and we have 
a whole, you know, these, these like, oh, these like crazy ass, like team sport parties in the United States that don't really understand what's going on, but they're just going to fight each other anyways, because, you know, their party told them that this is important. And it's like, sit down, shut the fuck up and think about what is going on in the world right now. And what that means to the future of your nation, your family, uh, you, your job, your, your economics, like all of this stuff is going to be affected to a point where, uh, you know, we'll be very lucky if this empire here in the United States lasts much longer, you know what I mean? At, at the rate we're headed. I don't know. What do you, what do you think or about, about the, the American empire? You think we're, we're close to a collapse. You think that this will definitely push us over the edge if, if we're not, I don't know. Well, the quote is that, uh, there's a lot of ruin in a nation. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that's probably a safe bet. Uh, I would say that what we're seeing right now is probably our leaders running into the apex, uh, or, or they're on the figure out that they're, they're on the backside of the apex of like a possible global power. There's only so far that I think kind of social organization can stretch. And I think we hit it. And so there are leaders who have felt pretty much invincible since 1945 are slowly learning that there is actually a, a, an outer limit to their power, but they're still not used to it. Like they're still used to just being able to, you know, tell everybody like, well, you know, you do what you want or we'll just completely flatten you. And so they, they even though they are starting to feel uncomfortable, they're starting to notice that, you know, things aren't holding together the way they used to. We, we don't seem to be able to project power the same way. We don't seem to be able to manipulate the media the same way. We don't seem to be able to keep the steady flow of income and, and you know GDP and life ex life expectancies kind of taking a dive and all these things. Yeah, these aren't these aren't good signs. But you know we're still the kings of the universe. We're still the anointed uh, ruling class of the entire globe, and so we should be uh, probably be able to continue to do this. And you can tell because like you look at the kind of the COVID thing, and you're like, well, obviously these people stretch their power to the limit, right? Like you you had global governance uh, kind kind of uh, stretching itself. And all of these different countries, you know, were imprisoning their people and stealing their bank accounts and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so th there was a lot of tension. You think after that, these people would like take a break for a little while. But no, they immediately go in. You know, we got to war, go to war in Ukraine and then we need to go to war in Israel and then we need to go to war in, you know, with Iran. And we need like, and, and it just becomes very clear that these people still feel invincible. It, they, they only know how to rule this way. They're, all the like quality was drained out of our ruling class. For the last few decades, it was we've kind of stacked this bioluminist uh, monstrosity, and so what we've ended up with is a bunch of people who inherited an empire, inherited a ruling machine, but they don't know how to operate it, they don't know how to maintain it, and so they're you know it's it's like a kid who's who's driving a car that they can't upkeep, and they're just you know grinding those last few miles out, and you know they don't they've never changed oil, and they don't know why the engine keeps making that knocking sound, but they're not going to stop going 85 on the highway until the whole thing just explodes. And I think that's pretty much where we are. How long will it take for that to happen? It's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure, but it's very clear that these countries are testing the American empire for a reason right now. They can smell that fear. Yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah. I, I, I do believe that it's, it's like, not, it's not even just that we're just spread so thin. It's that the country's been so used to exerting their power anywhere they want it for so long that they've gotten... You know, it's like we're the we're the the youngest nation in America or the in the world, right? We're like the we're like the rebellious teenagers, right? And 
we have all this power and we're telling everybody else that we control them now. And it's like at some point someone's going to smack you. We're the young hip empire. I think South Sudan is the youngest country in the world because that was founded oh, in 2016. That's fine. Okay. But yeah, yeah. We're, we're you know what I mean. Hip, yeah, we're the young hip new empire and we don't realize that the times are changing and uh saying like rad and yeah whatnot someone's gonna longer someone's gonna smack us dude yeah like somebody you know like you know i got a 12 year old who comes home and he's like bruh like don't say bruh you know what i mean you're smarter than that you're in you're in gt classes you're in gate classes you're smarter than that don't say bruh all right bruh that's sussy bruh and i'm like (laughs) all right listen to me man uh I'm not going to smack you, but you're not going to, you're not going to sit on your phone anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that, um, you know, we're kind of becoming a nation that acts like that, you know, and, and well, we've, we've lost, we've become a godless nation. I mean, oh, very absolutely. fast and the, um, the morals have gone out the window and it's getting so terrible that I think people just don't realize the implications of what they're going on. You're going to say something more? Well, I was just going to say, like, yeah, we, we've we've taken everything that high civilization was built on top of and we've knocked it all out. It's it's like the Jenga tower, right? Like you, if you want to get it so high, you have to start taking pieces out and eventually you take them lower and lower to the base until it becomes unstable and falls over. And that's what we did. Like, we're like, oh, well, we can get a little more GDP if we just, you know, wreck the family a little harder. Well, we could probably squeeze out a little more production if we just make sure everything's open on Sunday and nobody's able to go to church. Well, we could probably go ahead and you know spread you know, spread our power a little thinner if we go ahead and you know uh, change the definition of you know what a man or woman is across the entire globe and you know, eventually you're just creating a society that's unsustainable it's not a surprise that all of these different functions are pa- falling apart but of course the entire ruling classes you know ideology was based on the idea that deconstructing these things was an unmitigated good they can't they can't agree now that actually those things are fundamental to a, a stable nation and a prosperous nation, there's no way they can they can admit that, and so the only thing they can do is just keep screaming something about racism and human rights until they've realized that everybody they're recruiting was only there because they checked the right gender or ethnic boxes and has no actual ability to do their job. We can't you know land planes, we can't get thing you know just in time delivery, supply chains fall apart, and all of a sudden this nation that looked invincible because it wielded this unprecedented military and economic power that allowed it to project its culture into every, uh, you know, into every corner of the globe, all of a sudden, you know, it can't do basic first world things. Sure. Which brings me back to my original point here. If we had sent a black man in a dress that identifies as a woman to interview Putin, nobody would have cared. Nobody would have cared. It's this, yeah. de- it's the same DEI mentality, dude. It's crazy. It blows my mind. Or, or a Hispanic woman that calls herself a man and dresses in a suit. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's just like this whole DEI mindset. And so because the white conservative Christian, I, I think, I can't, I don't know if, I think that, uh, I think, yeah, Tucker's I think Tucker's Christian. Christian. I don't he think is. he's Catholic. He's Episcopalian. Is he Episcopalian? Okay. I knew he wasn't, he ca- joke about he wasn't Catholic. I'm not Catholic either. Someone brought up that yeah, I was he Catholic doesn't earlier. Eat fish. I'm, not, I'm Orthodox. <laughs> huh? He doesn't eat fish. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's, he's that's a, a pescatarian. Yeah, yeah pescatarian. Yeah, I was going to say that's a different thing. Right? <laughs> I, but, but I'm just saying it's, it's, like, it's crazy because the, you know, the white dorky guy in the dad shoes like, shows up to interview Putin, and all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, my God, he's literally Hitler. Well, it's because he broke – part of it is because he broke from uh, the, the kind of media empire. Well, he gets, he gets like four times the amount of views on yeah. his show on Twitter, just on Twitter, than the entire Fox News but Network he, does daily. He can't be controlled anymore. Yeah. Oh, he, no. he, ha- he has a platform now he can that they want. can't just and Elon remove told him, he can do him from he or 
to shame him from. And yeah, you have these two people that have broken off. I want to know why everyone's so racist against the guy from Africa, Elon Musk. That doesn't make any sense to me. One one point I wanted to bring up is our our elite are so stupid because they chose. Are they stupid or are they nefarious? No, 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 they they have to be. Listen to the point and you'll understand why they're so stupid. Because they chose to villainize the two things that they primarily villainize in my eyes are oil and women being mothers. Those are one of those are probably two of the most important things for modern society to function, and they're like, yeah, let's let's destroy those but, things that but modern a society they, can't live without. But there's a reason they targeted those. So the, those aren't mistakes. Like those those are those are uh, that's a target for a reason. So the reason you pick those two, uh, you pick the oil because you're going to have a declining society. So. The, the the in order to make people in, de- more dependent on the state you need to remove any re- remaining kind of uh regional bourgeoisie independence which means you need to get rid of uh you know uh, cheap energy and uh private transportation like those are those are huge problems for a state that wants to centrally manage everything the reason that you villainize you know a, a normal family is that you want to make sure that the state is the only one with the authority to govern children like people are a Families are a natural barrier to the total state. They're a natural. Uh, they're the, the final organic barrier to state power. State power is never restrained by constitutions or voting or any of that thing. It's only ever constrained by other competing social spheres. And the family is the ultimate resilient social sphere. So if you want to make people reliant on the state, then you need to go ahead and get rid of those family bonds. You need to get rid of fathers out of the household. You need to make, make mothers entirely dependent on the state for any continuation. Now that's short-sighted eventually because like you're you're probably thinking well eventually they'll become weak and they'll run out of you know people and and productivity and all those things. And yeah, that's true, but they didn't think there was a trade-off because their ideology taught them that the acquisition of power was the only value and that everything that they were doing to dismantle tradition was valuable in and of itself. And so they didn't think, you know, that this is all progress. None of this could ever have any kind of uh quantifiable trade-off. And, you know, the, these systems were all simply you know, evil and patriarchal and whatever. And, and th- those things are, 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 that's why they existed. And so th- those choices, well, we can see them now as, oh, well, this is going to weaken you over time. Okay. But they, those choices were made for a very specific reason. Those, those weren't accidents. They were necessary uh, dis- uh, dismantlings of uh, critical prior uh, so- social and economic bonds that had to occur if you were going to grow the state to its current level. Sure. I talk a lot about that. I actually talk about that in my presidential campaign quite a bit because one of one of the main tenets of my my platform is the ending of Title Forty of the Social Security Act, which signed into law in 1975 by President Ford. Um, actually, the federal government is paying the states; they're subsidizing the states to separate families and family law court. This is literally something that's been going on since 1975, and in that time, we went from one in sixty children living in a fatherless home to one in four just since 1975. And if you look at the stats uh, around this, um, you know, the, the youth violent offender category has tenfolded, uh, homeless and runaway youth, uh, high school dropouts, um, mass shooters, 92% from fatherless homes. Like it's created such a, like an ill society, like a socially demented society. 
and nobody talks about it. Like nobody talks. Like there's a couple people out there talking about fa- father's rights. I mean, I think Larry Elder brings it up quite a bit when he was, you know, but they they yeah. they stifle his his speech quite a bit on all kinds of things. But it's like, like the if I had to pick one thing that has degraded society more than OnlyFans culture, right? Which I talk about a lot as well. It's definitely the fatherless home thing, and that was created entirely by our government. It really, it really was through well, no, the, no fault divorce, of course, but then also Title Forty of the Social yeah, Security Act, and then probably a contributing factor to it as well would be the pro- prolification of the birth control pill, which came out in 1971. So the the fundamental transaction and risk evaluation around sex for women dramatically shifted for the first time in human history and well and then i don't think it gets talked about basically at all well, and i don't, think it's one of the don't most forget, consequential things of the don't 21st forget, century. even if even if the birth control pill doesn't work there's a abortion clinic on every corner in america that will do you know do these abortions so yeah i agree with you i think that that risk the risk reward thing kind of went out yeah. the window and uh, but man, it's just like this. And, and, and I talked about, you know, I talk a lot of obviously about Yuri Bezmenov on the show as well and how, you know, he he kind of came over here and when he defected from KGB in, in, in Russia or Soviet Union and said, mm-hmm. hey, you know, they're the communists are already here. They're already infiltrating all of your facets of society, right? Your schools, your, uh, you, you know, your uh, uh, well, now we would call them social media companies. Uh, your hospitals, your churches, and we look around, and we look around right now, and, and I talk a lot about the church right up the street from my house that has a rainbow flag hanging yep. huge on the front, like right on the front of the church, and I go, huh, that's, you know, that makes a lot of sense that, you know, the communists have always had to attack first faith, I think that that's a big one, they had to attack faith, and they had to take attack the strong family unit, because when you have those two things in your life, it makes you, like, way less dependent on a centralized federal government or any kind of government and for that matter and so like the communists have always had to go to war and and you know i i got this conversation on twitter the other day with somebody saying oh yeah well what about the orthodox christians and i'm like yeah what about the fucking orthodox christians dude do you know anything about the history of orthodox in russia and how they were literally excommunicated and murdered by the the revolutionaries because of their christian faith and and um i used to have a lot of people know that Long before Julia, I had a an Orthodox Russian um, girlfriend for three years, whose family lives in Alaska, in a little tiny town that they built called Nikolavsk or some shit, right? Like out way on the Kenai Peninsula, like out in the middle of nowhere. They built this. It's one street with a church at the end. They stated themselves. They still have Russian accents, dude. The kids born here have Russian accents. <laughs> okay, they live in Alaska. There's also a lot of these communities in the Pacific Northwest. Now, if you ask them where they came from, almost all of them unanimously will tell you that they came from South America. Okay? They were in South America because when they were excommunicated from Russia, they had to go to China and China was also a communist country who said you have one year and then you have to leave here. And so they left there and went to South America. My ex-girlfriend's parents met in Argentina as ethnic, orthodox, old world believer Russians. And then they, they moved up to, to Oregon and then eventually out to Alaska. So like, like anybody who's telling me that the Orthodox Russians were like part of the communist revolution or something has no idea what they're talking about. They were absolutely kicked out and thrown out of Russia because they knew that the Orthodox could live their own lives and their own communities away from everybody and didn't have to depend on the state. And so 
you know, I, I think that these two facets of, of society are the main targets of not just the communists, but any kind of like tyrant that wants a centralized control and, and to have like people rely on them. You can't do that when you have a strong faith-based, strong family unit, right? Like those, those people are like, oh, we don't really need you. You know, I don't, what do you think, Orin? Are you, are you Catholic? Did you say you were Catholic? No, I'm Southern Baptist. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I agree. Like this is, if you look at, you don't have to read too hard into this. I mean, if you look at neo-Marxist literature, they regularly say things like, you know, we need feminism to dismantle families so that we can eventually dismantle nations so that we can have the global, you know, communist revolution. You know, this is right there. It's not, it's not hard to miss. You know, there's a reason that, uh, you know, in the Spanish civil war, the, you know, the communists are, you know, throwing priests off of, uh, you know, cliffs and raping nuns. It's, it's, this is the way, you know, since, since the French revolution before, this is how leftists behave. Like this is, they understand that this is, this is critical for the advancement of the kind of state that they want to live in. Are you saying that Robespierre wasn't a good guy? I, I, I'm going out on that limb. <laughs> bold oh. statements being made. Yeah, great. bold statements, bold <laughs> statements. No, I, uh, so yeah, it's this whole thing's just crazy to me, and I, I think I don't know that this interview is going to change anything. But at least I know that nine million people have already watched this interview, and there's going to be another thirty million that do over the next twenty four hours, probably. And I think that that's good. I think that's a good thing. Whether you agree with Putin or not, I think it's a good thing. I think you should go watch that interview. I think you should make up your own mind, and you should stop fucking listening to a government that has shown you repeatedly that they fucking hate you. They want you dead. I think one thing it will do especially is highlight how much control the managerial class really has because there are m multiple instances where Putin talks to a president and then the CIA undermines that president. Yeah. yeah. And, and this happened with multiple presidents and it's just like, oh, this, you know, the president might just be essentially what the Queen of England is. Yeah, well, our president is undermining himself with dementia currently, and uh, he recently, or today, well, he's been he's been going through this hearing for the secret documents case, um, which, by the way, they've dragged Trump through the through the coals over, and now they're very openly having this hearing for Biden, and all of a sudden, the special the special uh, counsel says, actually, he doesn't remember the years he was president. Vice president. Uh, he could not tell you within two years of when Bo died, his son died, um, and there were some other things too. So we're finding out now that either A, we know they're not lying, okay? That's the thing. It's like a lot of people are like, oh, they're going to use this as his defense to, to you know, not be found guilty or be punished for this stuff. But listen, it's not just being used for a defense. We have watched actively as this man has descended into dementia on the national stage for years at this point. Um, so it's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a rouse, right? Like, I don't think it's fake. Um, it's pretty clear that the mental capacity of our current, uh, you know, uh, president has been declining for quite some time. And I've said it, you know, I said it two years ago, this feels like, this feels like elder abuse. I feel like I'm watching elder abuse on TV right now. And whether it's because the adrenochrome supply dried up after Epstein didn't kill himself or not, I don't know, but it. I've been seeing this a lot more with the older politicians where their mental capacity is declining. Of course, we've seen it famously with Mitch McConnell and several others as well. Um, but we're basically sitting on this, this fact now that we're telling 
America that Joe Biden doesn't have the mental capacity to be charged or convicted of these crimes, but also he has the mental capacity to be the president. And they're still talking about re-election. There's no way this guy makes it to a re-election. Maybe he makes it to a re-election. He's not making it after a re-election. So there's two possible outcomes here for me. I believe that they're, they're going to use this as a way to say he's not running for re-election and they're going to shoehorn Gavin Newsom in there. And let me tell you something, some people, as somebody from the state of California who grew up in the Bay Area, who used to enjoy skating down Market Street to the Embarcadero in San Francisco um, on a weekly basis on the weekend, um, it used to be a great city until they let Gavin Newsom have the keys. And I'm not saying it was a perfect city. Every big city has their problems, but I'll tell you, it was a lot safer. It was a lot cleaner. It was a lot cheaper to, to live there, to hang out there, to do business there, to shop there. All of it was much better before Gavin Newsom. He came in and turned it into a literal poo map. Okay. He's the reason. He's the one that made it legal to poop all over the streets. Nobody gets in trouble for it anymore. He's the reason you see heroin needles everywhere. Okay. Um, he's a big reason why the crime has gone, you know, 500 fold to what it was even in the late nineties. Okay? And we're talking rapes, thefts, murders, all of it has skyrocketed in San Francisco because they're not prosecuting a ton of shit anymore. And so, you know, in perfect California fashion, uh, Gavin Newsom failed upwards. The, the state of California decided, well, San Francisco sucks now, but we should do it to the whole state. And I'm telling you, Democratic politicians love to fail upwards. And so I have this feeling that the Antichrist, as I like to call Gavin Newsom and several others, you guys know how I roll on the show, uh, is going to be shoehorned in here somehow. Whether it's through a, a vice president or, you know, uh, Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom, or, you know, they somehow get, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom ready when they have to take Joe Biden after they try to win the election and then he becomes uh, Kamala Harris's VP or they just take Biden out entirely and put Newsom up as the new candidate. I think something like that is coming soon. Uh, you know, obviously within the next nine or 10 months because of the election anyways, but prior to that, I think now they're going to start doing that. And a lot of people told me I was crazy thinking that it would be somebody like Newsom but who else do you think it could be? I mean, besides Kamala Harris or Michelle uh, Obama, who I don't think it would be. Big Mike. It's not going to be Big Mike. Um, they, like, the Democrats just don't have anyone up and coming that is remotely appealing to people. Like, they're, honestly, their best option would be RFK, but they can't really control RFK. So what are they going to do? Roll out Pete Buttigieg, Gavin Newsom? Uh, Elizabeth Warren. It can't be Buttigieg. Let me tell you, yeah. I as somebody who spent a lot of time in South Bend, not a lot of time, but several times in South Bend, and I know people that live in South Bend, they've all told me he was a horrible mayor. Horrible mayor. That's why he. That's why they put him on transportation, right? And said, oh yeah, he's going to be great on transportation because yeah, they knew they knew that, first of all, he's not going to win any elections in Indiana anytime mm -hmm. soon because the people there don't like him. But, but A, he's just not good at politics. He has never been good at politics. So put him in a transportation role, leave him there. What do you think's coming, Thorne? What do you think? What do you think is the new blue wave, sir? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually do think that um that Michelle Obama is their best uh their best option there. Um, but I it is a crazy situation. I firmly believe that no one is at the helm. And I I think that you know, as, as kind of, uh, again, as Hoppe pointed out, uh, you know, democracy is, 
great at obfuscating accountability. And when you have this kind of loose theocratic oligarchy that we have right now, then a guy like Biden is the best way to obfuscate accountability because in theory, he's in charge, but in practice, everyone knows he can't possibly be in charge. He doesn't know where he is. And but you don't know who is. And so there's no one to, you know, uh, unseat, uh, you know, in response to to poor governance. And so, you know, the who who's going to slot in here? I mean, Gavin Newsom seems uh, he, he's got, I guess, the level of polish. Uh, they don't really care that his his record of results is bad because that's that's not really I mean, they, they just plan to do that to the entire country anyway. That's already their plan. Uh, so the fact that like the results of his policies are poor doesn't really matter to them because they're they're the ideology is the only driving force that could possibly matter. Other than that, yeah, their bench is really weak. You're not going to put Buttigieg in there. You're not going to put Kamala Harris in there. I I was firmly sure that they were going to hold on to Biden no matter what. I just didn't think there was any chance that they were going to be brazen enough to try to make this move. But after this comes out, I mean, it's pretty, that's pretty rough. I mean, I, even if they didn't want to get rid of him, it feels like they kind of have to now. Uh, you know, I don't know how you even sell that election other than just screaming orange man's a fascist the entire time, which is our other strategy. But I mean, really what else, what else can you do at that point? So I, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I am not so much interested in the horse race of the whole thing as I am in opportunities to show how broken the system is right and so uh in in this way i'm i'm an accelerationist in that whatever shows that this uh, that the system is fake fastest is, is the, best the best possible outcome because the system is unfixable so whoever whoever gets the left to just completely uh spin themselves down is, is the the best option we need them to eat our eat themselves but i i'm a firm believer listen let old old sleepy joe go to the the old folks home and eat his ice cream till it's time to join Madelina Albright in Lucifer's temple. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about it. I just, I don't, you know, I, I, the, the guy's obviously off his rocker. There's no way they can sell this anymore. There's no way they, they haven't been like, able to sell it to anybody they, in, uh, that's even like remotely moderate or in the center for months. Like they could, they could probably pass it for another year. Like the left is delusional enough, but you couldn't pass it for four more years after no, that. There's no way. I, I don't know if he'll, don't know if they'll live her. Yeah, I don't know. He's that really or... bad. That that level that level of of dementia is I've I see that level of yeah. dementia in like I worked in skilled nursing for mm -hmm. like a decade, and that level of dementia is like one step under like sundowning and running around the facility like stealing silverware and shit. Like it's so close to that, and um you know, on fall risk with like alarm on, on a bed and shit. Like he's really that close. If anybody in the medical community will, will back me up in saying that he's really that close. We, anybody who's worked in like a memory care unit understands that he's not far off. Right. I mean, this whole, like these, these, you know, people are like, Oh, it was just miscues or he just couldn't read the teleprompter right or whatever. No, dude, like he's, he can't pronounce basic words anymore. I mean, it's getting really, really bad. You can't sell that to the public at large anymore. Yeah. Well, if the system was was ruled by any kind of visible power, you think right. the move would be to like put like a Dick Cheney type guy, you know, on the on the second part of ticket ticket, somebody who's never going to get elected, but you want to actually hold power, and then you just wait till Biden kind of inevitably, you know, kind of croaks off because he's too old, and then that guy, you know, is, is elevated. But right. I don't I don't know who they would even put in at this point for that kind of I job. Don't either, I don't either. And, and, and believe me when I say that neocons and the Democrats are not that much different either. 
I know that I know that the Republicans and Democrats. I'm not one of those mm-hmm. libertarians because I'm a libertarian, right? Like I, I work in the Libertarian Party. I know a lot of people would say, "Oh, you're a Lulbert." Let me tell you, I'm not a fucking Lulbert. I work with the party because it's. I'm trying to use it as a vehicle to get on 50 state media tour and and tell people that you know this democracy sucks. But um, I I. I know I'm not one of the Lulberts that is like, oh, the Republicans and Democrats are no different. They're exactly the same. It's two birds. Oh, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I am not a libertarian, and I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Fair, but, fair. Yeah. But, but, but there are, yeah. I mean, there are some marketed differences in, in like, especially are, like the Republican are, like, Liberty Caucus and stuff like that. Like on the important well, stuff, they're all so, the same. Yeah, I mean, and I say that on you've the show. You've got some Rand Pauls. You've got some Thomas Massey. Yeah, Thomas got, Massey is an absolute stuff. hero. I love that guy to death, yeah. right? And and there's you know some other politicians out there who do good stuff. Mike Lee does some good stuff here and there. I mean, it's it's not like they're terrible. And I have you know I live in the state of Iowa, okay, which by the way has like one of the best state houses in the entire country. Yeah, you won't shout ever convince Jeff me. Shipley. Yeah, shout out to Jeff Shipley for being like a, a Mises, like a hippie Mises Rothbard and cap in as a Republican getting elected twice. Um, but, but so like, so like, I'm not ever going to say they're, they're different, but I will, you know, I do always say that like the worst bipartisan bills find bipartisan support, right? Like every single time that's how it works until now, which is like really crazy to me to see like, you know, this bill to fund Ukraine fail or the bill to fund Israel fail. I don't think we've ever had a bill to fund Israel that has failed. (laughs) Have we ever had a... Well, not if Mike to... Johnson has his way. Uh, yeah. But yeah. The... Have we ever had a bill to fund any sort of military operation, whether our own or someone else's fail? Well, the the, the big problem in the United States right now, and, ha- and has been for uh, uh, you know almost twenty years now, is the AUMF, right? Like the authorization of use of military force. We've basically given the president like a blank, open ended check to run conflicts around the world yeah. that's what that is when we took the power away from congress which by the way is their like con- their like you know constitutional duty i know mm-hmm. the constitution is basically like toilet paper for the people that work in the capital now it doesn't mean a fucking thing and in fact maybe it's maybe it's created you know if you take the spooner approach maybe it's created the government that we have today it's at least been powerless to stop it right and so like so like they're they have like a constitutional duty to declare war and that they've obfuscated to the president who gets constantly undermined by the CIA with an absolutely open-ended spending bill is essentially Mm -hmm. what it is. And this goes back to the border bill too, right? Like the president has the, the doesn't need a border bill to secure our borders. In fact, it's his constitutional duty. If we're being, you know, if we have an invasion as, as so it were right. Like it's, it's the president's duty constitutional duty to stop that right but it is not because of the 10th amendment his duty to tell a state that they have to open their borders right like he had there is nothing in the constitution that says he can tell texas like hey you're not allowed to have closed borders the 10th amendment hasn't existed since 1960 yes. or 1865 but okay yes, yes. <laughs> I, you know yeah you know what i mean yeah. okay I hear you. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, we're on the same page here Oren. okay i promise you i promise you but i gotta i gotta come from a political angle every once in a while um, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's it's very clear that, uh, you know, Donald Trump didn't know, you know, where his troops were, right? He's the commander in chief. He's supposed to have all this power. It's very clear 
that he was not running his military that you know, the other the the uh, joint chiefs just ignored him whenever they wanted to and then they they boasted about it afterwards like they committed treason and then they just were like laughing about it uh in public and bragging about it because they knew they would get a pat on the head from the media and that's how you can tell we're actually a media run state instead of a state that's actually run by you know any kind of legitimate government because people feel free to completely violate the constitution commit treason lie to the commander in chief uh, and then go get their you know their their rewards from a media that will you know elevate them for doing exactly that right yeah i was i was uh i was laughing when donald trump got um got elected i was in i live in vancouver washington right across the, the river from portland oregon and i i like if you just open the window and put your ear out you could hear the collective like crying and screaming and screeching like from across the river i'm not i'm not making that up you could actually hear them <laughs> screaming and and so like it was it was really funny to me as like i was i had already joined the libertarian party and kind of got away from the two parties and, um, of course i didn't i famously didn't like bill weld i think he's a terrible terrible choice and and obviously i hate him more now um, as i've grown in my politics but um it was hilarious to me i was like dude this is so funny if for nothing else the collective screeching like this is beautiful i love this because i had been dealing with antifa in portland for years at that point they used to throw eggs at my car and shit right and um and so uh i was i was hopeful i was a little hopeful and then one of the first things he did was john bolton and i was like God damn it, dude seriously of all the people that is like it's like you might as well dug up the corpse of Madeleine Albright and and put her in that position, right? Like that's kind of how I felt about it, and so I knew right away that that's what was coming. Like it was gonna okay. There's no, there's not gonna be any draining the swamp. There, the the you know this this deep state is still gonna run everything, and and I was really bummed. And that's kind of my my gripe about like Trump too. And I know like people get mad at me for saying that. I'm worried that it's going to happen again and then all this all this uproar about everything is just going to end up exactly like it was and probably oh. that's what's going to happen. Oh yeah, what what's interesting about Trump if he manages to get reelected is not what he will do. It was it's what what will be done to him. It's the fact that the left will lose their mind. They will go insane. They will destroy everything. I mean, we literally are making arguments in front of the Supreme Court about why you have to remove the most popular candidate on the ballot. Right. I mean, democracy is over. It's yeah. a dead man walking. Yeah. We're all sitting around here playing a game because we don't know what else to do. But it's very clear that the left is done with any idea that any election that could put someone they dislike into power is legitimate. Like yeah. the notion of some kind of peaceful transfer of power to someone who's an actual political opponent of the left is simply not an option for them. And so uh, I, it's not it's not so much that Donald Trump will go in there and clean house. He can talk about being a dictator for the day. I mean, I, I hope he, you know, I know that they have, you know, the, the schedule F and other things to, to clean out the bureaucracy and stuff. I hope that those would be things that actually went through. But I don't think any of that's going to happen because I think the left is just going to completely chimp if he ends up getting elected, but I, I am up against my time here in a little bit, okay. guys. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I will say this though, before we get going, cause we will, we'll wrap it up here. Um, I, I, I want, I want to see what happens if Donald Trump wins <clears throat> for that same exact reason, this peaceful transfer power. Cause I want to see them 
be the ones to go take the the guided rope tour of the Capitol and then see what the media does after they do it because you know it's coming right like they've oh, already neither. they were already infiltrating capitals and state houses around the country oh, long yeah. before the January sixth people did it right and they yeah. did it after they did it they did it remember when the when a trans shooter murdered a bunch of kids at a Christian school and then left to storm the state capitals yep. of the people who uh who whose states were where they were murdered and demanded rights for the trans individual I mean. Crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely insane. Uh, we but, need to restore some sanity to our United States or no, let it fail. It, That's it. it it's like it's screwed because neither side is going to accept the results of the election. 2016, the left didn't accept the results. And then 2020, the right didn't accept the results oh, literally neither, every election of my time of my lifetime since no i was one a has child. ever done yeah buddy it escalated especially but that's no because that's what i was saying i was saying the same thing people are like people are like oh you know bush and al gore man like, yeah since, that's since exactly then. what i think of every single time is like i remember the pushback to bush like it was so huge and then and then uh, Obama like, too. When Obama did, it, when Obama got an right, that was that's the conspiracy theory why he wasn't legitimate, right? Yes. And then the next one's Always. not legitimate. Yeah. But Bush and Gore, there was like a recount, and people like kind of accepted it. I, uh, but I mean, 2016, 2020, there there was no gradual acceptance. People are still adamant to this day that neither one of those ele- elections were legitimate because the person yeah. they hated won. Lauren, we appreciate you coming on, man. I know you're uh, you're pushed up against time here, but uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you, listen to you, support you, all those good things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on you know YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, uh, you know uh, Blaze TV. Got the the show on the podcast and everything. And then I've got a, a book coming out. People can pre-order. It's called The Total State. We get into all kinds of great political theory, including some of the people we talked about tonight. So if people want to check that out, they can pre-order it now. Yeah, let me know, dude. I'm a I'm a big fan, and I'll definitely read it, and I, I probably want to help promote it on the show too at some point if we can. Uh, hey, man, I I appreciate you taking your time with us and and hanging out with us, man. I I'm a big fan of of your uh, your ideas here, and and definitely going to be a big fan of your show. Uh, so uh, we we wish you luck, and we hope to see you again. Thanks again, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, if you haven't checked him out yet, please go check out his stuff, man. He's great. Um, I have become recently familiar, but I'm happy uh, that he took, I mean, he's, you know, he's a pretty big commentator at this point. And for him to take the time out to come on our little tiny show here, we really appreciate that. Uh, Ryan, you got anything before we get going? I mean, I was thoroughly impressed, especially with his breakdown of how things actually work and the... The shift in the 1940s to the managerial state that we're currently in. Fun fact, the book that he referenced, The Managerial Revolutions by James Burham, is the book that I am reading right at this very really? moment. Really? <laughs> yes. Nice, dude. So, so you've, you've, you seem to like dive into a like particular author and like read all of Rothbard and then read all of Hop. I bounce. Between yeah. all sorts of all sorts of people, so yeah, I'm like a, extremely autistic about authors. Like if I read an author and I like it holds my it captivates me. Like I'll read every book they've ever written immediately. Like I've I've always been like that my whole life, dude. One of the first big like novels I can remember reading was The Watchers by Dean Koontz. Okay, and I was enamored. I could not put that book down. Do you know how many fucking books Dean Koontz has written, dude? No. And I read all of them. All of them. 
Like I could not stop, dude. I, I don't know. I'm autistic about authors. Hey, I want to say uh, uh, to the libertarian extremists, thanks for the $5 super chat. Uh, I appreciate it. He said, I bet you $5 they would DDoS the interview. I was wrong. Would Chipper go Birdo? Yeah, because he he bet me that they would uh, DDoS it. They would DDoS. Oh, DDoS it. Yeah. yeah, they would DDoS the uh, the interview with Putin, and they didn't. Um, what would they What would they DDoS? Like the, the Twitter know. servers? Yeah, somehow, yeah. yeah. Like that, <laughs> that would be a huge DDoS. Well, I think that. the other big concern, too, was that were so many people, there was going to be so many people logged into Twitter at one time more than maybe yeah. ever before that it would have problems, but it didn't. I, I mean, it seemed to really run smooth. I think the I think the resolution was a little cocked in the beginning for like the first 30 minutes, but then it got a lot better, so. You know, I'm, I, I would, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, really. But uh, Trey Daniel, man, thanks for the five dollar super chat. He said, "Awesome show, guys. Glad you had Orn on. I'm glad I had Orn on too. I, I definitely like have come around to a point where I I empathize way more with people like Orn than I do with like my old Lolbert friends. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the truth. I I really have gotten to this almost almost to like the post libertarian phase. I guess people call it now. I don't know. I I have a lot of people on Twitter telling me that I'm not even a really a uh, real libertarian anymore, which is you know, it's something I've heard for a long time, but it's way more often now because of my takes on like, you know, religion and abortion and pedophiles. And I'm like, I'm like, really, dude, like, do you think libertarianism is all about like killing children and and pedophilia and fucking, uh, you know, being anti religionism and like, no, dude, yeah. like you're just a you're just a fucking asshole there. Who's there's, like who like look, wants to there, argue about there's shit. an exception to every rule, and the exception to the non-aggression principle is pedophiles because they're not human. Bro, there's they're not humans. They are they are absolute cockroaches yeah. of the earth, and I don't believe they should have rights. And I mean that. And anybody who thinks I'm less of a libertarian because I think people that physically and sexually harm children don't deserve rights, get fucked. I don't care. I don't care. I literally don't care what you have to say. Like if you're if you have sympathy for them over the children that they've ruined their entire lives, I don't like you. I don't want you around me. You know what I mean? And I mean that. So like maybe I have become a little less libertarian in some things, but there are things that maybe we need to reevaluate as libertarians, right? Like this whole border issue, right? Like I had a I had a interview the other night with the Christian caucus and the pro life caucus together, which by the way are two fucking fantastic libertarian caucuses to be part of if you're in the libertarian party. Um, these people are espousing very important uh, ideals in libertarianism, in my opinion. Um, but you know they brought up the border issue, and I said, no, you know I I used to be an open borders guy, and then I realized I'm running to govern a nation, and like as a libertarian, it's I understand that like. You know, this whole, uh, well, we are not supposed to have a nation or borders is is like a cool, like political theory that I agree with. Right. Like at the end of the day, I would love it to have my libertarian utopia where there's no government. People don't find me for cut, not cutting my grass and just all this dumb shit that we deal with the taxes and the Federal Reserve and all this stuff. And I, and but there's so many of those things that we can chip away at by getting into government. Right. Um, but at the same time, like you have to remember that you're 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 running and campaigning to govern a nation of people that mostly want some kind of protection for their property and their civil rights and like the things that matter to them. And one of those things is it's a wildly, wildly unpopular position to be an open borders person. Wildly. I'd say less than 10% of the population in the United States actually believes in opening and getting rid of all borders. Yeah. 
Like that's, that's a that's very like a unpopular dated versus position. actualized press preference. Right. Thing. You'll have more than ten percent say they want open borders, but if if you know they actually were dealing with the consequences of open borders, they would they would change their tune yeah. very yeah. quickly. So I I think that I think that as libertarians we we get stuck in these dogmatic utopian ideals sometimes where we forget that like we're kind of the minority still and we need to you know this is why I call myself like the populist America first libertarian candidate. And that's the truth. Like, I think that, you know, if you're going to run to govern a nation, you should be that nation first. Um, and I also believe that people have very real fears that they're worried about. And if you're not going to give a solution to those fears and instead you're going to beat them over the head with philosophers they've never heard of, then you're not going to get very, get very far. So I think that it's important that we reevaluate some of our positions when it comes to uh, politics. Now, if you want to be an anarchist philosopher, great. Do write your utopian ideal dreams out on pages and and try to get people to do it. I think people like Larkin Rose who can get a little lulberty sometimes is an important voice because he's woken a lot of people up to agorism and the dangers of central planning. And and I think that that's important and I agree with him. Um, but I don't agree with him politically when it comes to, hey, we need to go out there and tell everyone we're going to take everything away from you. Good luck. Like I think we have to speak to their fears and that's populism, right? Um, and so it, it's, you know, it's just kind of a, I don't know, I guess a, a reawakening when it comes to my political views. I think that my platform today for my presidential race at joshuasmith2024.com uh, is, is uh, a lot more realistic when it comes to libertarian ideals. I also believe that uh, being pro-life is the only consistent uh, libertarian ideal because you know, you can't say you can't say that you can kill another human life and call it uh, consistent with, you know, your non-aggression principle that you literally try to shove down everyone's throat. Anyways, we're getting to the end of this thing. We're going to have some more shows next week, hoping for Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and I think I have this weekend off. So I'm going to be working on um, our restream so that we can stream to more than just YouTube live. And I talked to the guys at Rumble today. Apparently, I didn't know this. There's some kind of lawsuit going on and Rumble had to disable their auto sync function. So we have not uploaded a show to Rumble for almost two months because I hadn't checked on the page because I was uh -huh. under the impression that it was just auto syncing. Um, and in fact, since we changed the thumbnail, we have not had a show upload to Rumble. So I have to spend some time tonight uploading shows to Rumble <clears throat> and figuring out our internet issues so that we can start streaming to hopefully Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, and, and YouTube at least those four uh, platforms at once. So, uh, Ryan, you got anything before we get going? Uh, follow me on Twitter at BulldogGamer28. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, share the show, share it with your friends, share it on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Truth Social, if you dare use that. Uh, what, yeah. Whatever social media platform. Yeah, please share our show. Like. Um, it's actually growing again, which is really mm -hmm. nice. Um, and we'd really like to get in front of more people. I think that we, I think that we put on a pretty decent show. I put a lot of time into pro the production of it, and um, you know, Ryan sits around and and uh, gives us his autistic takes, but he's great at what he does I make too. Thumbnails he makes now the too. thumbnails. He started doing all these great things now for the show. So we are putting a lot of time and energy into trying to bring it back and do more than one show a week and and making it a very consistent show. So if you guys wanted to share it. Uh, we really appreciate it. Of course, we are in audio forum on all uh, podcatchers as well. Apple, Spotify, all those things, Podbean. Um, so you can always just listen to us too. But we're going to be hopefully a live show 
on at least four platforms soon. So you won't just have to watch us on YouTube. Although we do appreciate you coming to YouTube and subscribing and helping us uh, build the the Yeah, those are the here. only numbers I can so I like to see those numbers go yeah. up. Keep keep going up. They're going up now. They've been going they up. They are. Timcast yeah. helps. The Timcast bump, bump is good, but it's not as good as you think it would be. You think you'd be like, oh, a new 10,000 followers, but no, that's not yeah, how it the, works, dude. So the, um, the Owen Benjamin bump was big for the show. Yeah, the Owen Benjamin bump was bigger than it had been in a while, for sure. Yeah, I got, and, we, the, and then Mr. Toad. Yeah, Mr. Toad's another, doing well. We're yeah, do, we've been having a good we've been having a good time yeah. on the show. So we appreciate you guys. I will see you next, hopefully Tuesday, if not for sure Thursday. Um, I'm gonna start hopefully uh, announcing the shows by Monday and promoting them from Monday through uh, Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, I love you guys to death. I'll see you Tuesday or Thursday. Until then, don't forget to break cycle. To explain the lyrics of my last song, they seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse and the frame. But I just stand in Minecraft. The helicopter part wasn't referenced to GTA 5 and the things you do. So when any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because I just stand in Minecraft. Well, Trooper is my friend and he's constantly cold. Accusations of incitement getting totally old. Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There are nothing I mean, you know it No product dinners, get your clothes from COVID Holy shit, I think I'm poor